0: It's Friday. It's your show that just got done watching Chernobyl, and is going to try its best not to talk about it.
1: Hey, Cheesy. Hey, what's up, man? It's Friday. Are you home? I am home. Yeah, feels nice.
0: <sighs> it does feel good. Back in the studio, just got back from Texas. It feels really good to be home. You know, you when you get in, and like everything's just the way you expected, traffic's horrible, you feel like crap. There's something about that that's real familiar. That's where I'm at right now. I'm not sure if I've got like a chest cold, but I've got like that really painful chest feeling and I've lost all sense of taste. So I don't know what that means, but I'm back. I'm here and it's a good episode this week. We're going to, I am very excited about this episode. We're going to learn a lot about our very own El Marquez in this episode. That I'm looking forward to. That's true. Hello, El. Hey. <laughs> hey. Hey, how are you doing?
2: I'm good. I'm actually home and I think I get to be home for three weeks, which is unheard of.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, that's going to be nice. By, I bet by week three, though, it's going to start feeling a little weird.
2: Yeah, I'm going to start going, hey, so can I go to Seattle?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think the answer would be yes. Hey, do you want to introduce us to your guest today?
2: So this is my legit partner in crime, Allie Barnes, or as I like to call her, Acid Goddess. Hey.
0: Hey, thank you for joining us. Allie and Elle gra- gave just... A killer presentation at Texas Linux Fest, and I pulled a couple of clips from it, so we thought, let's bring Ali on, let's talk about this. But also, back after being away for a couple of weeks, the one, the only, Wes Payne. Hello, Wes. Happy Friday, everybody. <laughs> hello, Wes. Thank you for helping me with that voicemail. Um, Yeah, Dr. Reverend did call back, and we've got the voicemails in this episode. Don't spoil it now. I know. I won't. I won't. Also, hello to Alex and Brent. Guys, good to see you. Hello, Chris. Hi. Hello, Wes. Hey, baby. Hello. This is way too long. This is this <laughs> intro's ridiculous. We got to move on. We got to keep going. But yeah, I got back earlier today, and I woke up this morning not feeling super hot, and uh, I crashed like last night around mm, midnight after th- driving through traffic for three hours to get home from the airport, and I, I woke up feeling like uh, you know. When you, uh, when you like, have a little uh, uh, cough, but your chest really hurts, like it hurts in a bad way, that's how I am this morning. So I think I might have caught something.
3: Be sure uh, it's not radiation sickness?
0: Could be, could be. Maybe I'm feeling from those <laughs> watching Chernobyl. <laughs> you know, I've I got to make an observation here, and I hope I don't upset anybody, but just right off the top, I have to make an observation. And I don't know if anybody has, else has noticed this, but I, I've spent my entire life flying coach. And then recently, when I'm trying to get work done, and and I'm flying as sort of like a work commute, I'll work and fly in the business class section of the plane. That's not too unusual, but it's a little more, it's about 70 bucks more. And with that, you get like a a free snack and a free drink, as if that, and a little more leg room, so that way your laptop can actually open. (laughs) You mean you buy your dignity back, a little, a tiny piece at a time. (laughs) Just a little bit. Also, I have discovered that I I have myself a bit of a, an anxiety attack. I'm good on I'm good with flying once I'm on the plane. Like the actual process of flying, I'm good with, but the getting on the plane and getting off the plane, I really I have a hard time with that. Especially the getting off the plane part because I'm usually I start getting all hot and sweaty, and uh, I like I it just really gets to me that people can't operate efficiently and they can't just get their get their, get their damn bags and get off the plane. Like, why do we got to sit there once the door's open for 25 minutes? So now that I'm up in business class, you know, it's like half that. It's still really bad because it's, you know, it's not first class or anything like that. So it's not fancy, but they want you to think it is. But one of the things I've noticed, and for better or for worse, is that people are a lot more chatty in business class. Can you guess why?
2: Is it the alcohol?
0: The free drink, right? It's the alcohol. I think it's the alcohol. It's the booze it's the booze and so and this is fine this is fine but so on the way to texas i met a dude <laughs> i met a guy <laughs> and we really hit it off and um we exchanged phone numbers and uh like he's like if you're ever down in dallas and you just want something to do in an evening uh give me a call and i'm not exactly sure what that was about but then on the way home i met a gal who um Needed my help getting on and off the airplane. And I think maybe that's why she was nice to me. But we had a great conversation. Total strangers. Uh, I think it's just, a, it's, a, it's just an interesting experience going from coach to business class. It still, it still didn't really help with the, all the horrible things about flying. It's kind of like the bus, right? I mean, when you're
4: overcrowded, it's too awkward. Because all you would talk about is how awkwardly close you are. But when you got a little room, you can really be yourself. That's true. That's, that's interesting.
3: Best feeling when you're flying coach is when that middle seat next to you. Doesn't get filled up. Oh, I was the middle seat this time. Oh, yeah, that was me.
2: Have you ever had it where you have the middle seat and somebody, the window seat's empty, but the person still sits in the middle seat. And you're kind of looking at them like, would you move, please?
0: <laughs> what is that? What is that? Crazy. Rule follower. That's a rule. You know what? It says E on my seat. So I am sitting in E. That's what it is. It's a rule follower. <laughs> I just can't even with that. Oh, all right. Well, let's move on. I wanted to give a quick update before we get into the show on the Starship Domestica. Previously, on Starship Domestica, we discovered that the crew was attempting to buy the junkyard from family. And that's all moving and progressing, slowly, but progressing. However, I just wanted to stare I just wanted to share a, a really kind of a quick anecdote with you guys. A story, maybe. So we were out in the yard, kind of like surveying what could be our new empire. It's, it's a whole new attitude we have now about the junkyard. So we're, we're reviewing what could be done and what areas need to be cleaned up. And the neighbor comes into the yard, a a peculiar couple, couple, but perfectly fine. They're nice. I really have no complaints really overall. (laughs) That's not true. No complaints I'm willing to make on air at least. (laughs) Uh, And they came over to let us know that they were going to attempt to outbid us on the junkyard because they would like to expand their property. And they wanted me to know that they would be attempting to outbid us and make sure that uh, they secured the property. And part of me was like, man, thanks for letting me know. And then part of me was like, what are you, What? why? Like, why Why are you trying to do that to me? Like, and why tell me that? <laughs> I don't know what to do with
3: that. That's some serious mind games right there. It
0: is. And it's like, is am I, am I going to war with my neighbor before I even buy the property? Is that what's happening right now?
3: Oh, it's
4: already
0: happened, sounds like.
1: It seems like he's like trying to intimidate you by, you know, oh I'm gonna bid on this property too, boy.
0: He was. He came over with this whole story about how in his mind this property has always been one piece, and then somebody split it up years ago, and so
3: he's writing a wrong by rejoining the two properties. So what's he gonna do? Is he gonna put a fence down the middle of the pool that you build or something? <laughs> <laughs> Call back. Uh, just I looked at him, I'm like Okay. Like what do you what do you say? What would
0: you say if some if you're trying to buy a piece of property and you have three kids and they love it and they, they desperately want you to buy this piece of property and then you discover your neighbor is actively trying to outbid you and he tells you to your face, what do you say to that? I think you should um buy him a beer at the pub down the road and convince him why it's such a better idea that you buy it than he does. I don't think he drinks. <laughs> I'm not positive. Well, you could start. <laughs> yeah, maybe I could get him going. What do you think, Cheesy? What would what, you do if the neighbor comes over and says, hey, man, uh, I know you like this please this piece of land. I know you've been uh, renting it here for the last uh, two years, um, and uh, you have an opportunity to buy it now, and your three children would love it. But, uh, you know, I just want a bigger backyard. <laughs> That's what he did to me.
1: Three words. Awesome. Good luck. <laughs> really? Because you... You think I've got this nailed because it's family. Well, I mean, you, I think if he's going to say that to you, you have to be confident in your response.
0: Yeah, yeah, we were, we were actually. Thankfully, Hadia really. I I just stood there because I wasn't sure. Like, do I get in a fight, like an art, not not a physical fight, but like a, a a verbal fight, or do I do I act nice? And Hadia was just like, "Oh, that's great, good for you guys." I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> that's that's the right thing to say she is so tactful (laughs) i know she knows what to say i i did not know what to say
1: chris you should consider sending uh, a cleaner next door to clean his place in the middle of the night when he doesn't expect it
3: (laughs) (laughs) so i think now chris if you do win those 15 feet are definitely yours oh yeah the 15 feet that his sheds on right
2: In the olden days, you would have had a glove in your pocket and it would have just been a challenge to the duel. We would have handled this correctly.
0: (laughs) Like I would have pulled it out of my back pocket and slapped him across the face. I challenge you to a duel, sir.
2: That's the only way.
4: You at least have to flash some cash. Just live a, a higher minded lifestyle for a little bit here.
0: Yeah. I, I, so now it's like, I look at him and I'm like, well, now we're competitors. Like it's the friendly neighbor thing is sort of that, that veil that we in the States put on like, Oh, I'm your friendly neighbor. You can count on me. Like it's kind of gone now because it's not really friendly anymore. It's sort of like, I'm looking to get you off your property. Um, I don't know what to do with it. And, And the thing is the only reason why I'm worried because it is family, but it's owned by a business, the property is owned by a business. At the end of the day, you know, a business has to make money. And if somebody comes in offering, you know, $50,000 more than I can offer, I mean, a business has got to make a profit. I'm not 100% sure it's going to go my way. I wish I could say I was because it's, you know, I'm not telling the kids about this. Let's put it that way. I'm not, I am not mentioning that. I can't believe I'm in this position. Let's change the topic because it just it's sort of a bummer. L are you are you okay if we play some of the clips from your talk you gave at Texas Linux Fest, even some of the personal ones? Sure. Well, I appreciate that because you and Allie gave a a fantastic talk, Confessions of a Sys Admin, and I want to just say right here at the top, if you have an opportunity to go to an event where Ellen and Allie or either one of them is giving this talk, I really recommend you catch the entire thing because... There were multiple moments where I got goosebumps. And I I wanted to start with uh, a bit of the confession part of it that I thought was really brilliant.
5: So our next confession, neither of us have a computer science degree. To make our point, we're going to tell you three stories. I'm going to start with mine. I'm a high school dropout. I'm a double college dropout. I have taken a Linux Plus class at a community college, and that's the extent of my formal education. Everything else I know, I've learned on the job, from mentors, from the community, reading docs, learning on my own, things like that. I
0: also don't have a a computer science degree, and uh, I don't think I would have been brave enough to say that at a talk. Um, because it's like there's a bunch of experts in the room, and as soon as you admit vulnerability like that, you um are opening yourself up essentially to criticism. So uh, I'm just, I think we should just start right there, Allie. Uh, did that give you pause being that vulnerable in front of a room full of people that you don't know?
5: Um, yeah, it did, but you know, even after the first time I gave it, I got really good feedback and everything, so that helped calm my nerves talking about it. And, you know, I'm the same. It's not something I like to go and brag about, but I feel like it's important to share that, you know, and to just to be like, I'm, you're not the only one if you also have this, you know, because I feel like you get a lot of shame for not having a degree sometimes.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And what do you do today, Allie, now?
5: I'm a cloud ops engineer at um, a cybersecurity startup called InfoSight.
0: And I think it's really important to mention that just because it's a lot of us start from very humble beginnings, and it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you are restrained by those, And, and you continue. Uh,
2: myself, I do have a college degree. I am proud to say that I have a degree in Christian theology.
0: Now, I actually knew this about Elle, um, but I didn't realize that Elle would be willing to actually share this with a room full of people. Because again, I, I, same thing I just mentioned to Ali. it's, It's sort of open yourself up to criticism, but then, but then L, you continue.
2: I went to a theological school with the great idea that I was going to be a missionary. You see, I grew up off the grid in a time where it was not a hipster thing to do. I grew up in Mexico where there was no grid to speak of. My first computer that I ever owned that was technically mine was the first day I got hired at Rackspace and they handed me my computer for my first day. I learned Linux through talking the local library into letting me run it on a VM, through borrowing friends' computers, through reading books, through being involved in every freaking meetup in San Antonio that would let me show up. Al,
0: well, I feel like there's an entire series of episodes in, in the statement you made right there about growing up without power uh, before it was a hipster thing to do. Um, so so that, the context of that comment, what, why it really struck me was the keynote earlier that day was all about the good old days of computers from the early 90s and the, the late 80s. And, um, you, you, you had such a, uh, such a, a different story that when I hear your story, when I hear about, when I hear about growing up without power, when I hear about your first computer is when you got your first job at Rackspace, um, and then I see where you're at now, where you've, you've come so far, you've worked in the field, you've, you've been, you've become certified, you're now working at Linux Academy, uh, and, 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 on, and now you, you give talks to rooms that are that are packed, standing room only, full of IT people. It's an incredible transformation, and I think it's it's one of the um, most impressive transformation stories in our industry.
2: Wow! How do I even begin to unpack that? <laughs> Thank you.
0: I mean, I'm really, I really respect that you shared that part of it.
2: Yeah, you know, the keynote was very interesting to me because you know his message was inclusive and diversity and. But the beginning part was actually really hard for me to sit through because I can watch you and I can watch Cheese and the people around me just kind of forming a brotherhood based on the stories. And your he's telling stories of his scars, and I can see your battle wounds on your faces. And I'm just looking around like, I, I never had these experiences. There's a brotherhood forming around me, and I don't know that y'all don't mean to be exclusive, but they're just not experiences that I can share or really even relate to.
0: And I think also it's sort of, um, It it smacks that, that stereotype that you have to have been doing this since you could reach a keyboard in order to do it well. There's like, you know, there's a bit of that.
2: There is. And I think it's changing, though. I really do. Um, five years ago, I would have been the most negative person telling you that, yeah, if you haven't been doing this since you were in kindergarten, you would never belong. You would never be in the group. And these days I go up and I'm like, hey, I have five years worth of experience. I have about three weeks worth of security experience. I'm going for my security Plus, And people like Ali and my security community are like, cool, grab your laptop. Let's go. Let's do this. Like, I, I love it. You continue. One of my most powerful mentors um, is this guy by Eric Joslin, and I'm going to call him out by name. And the reason he was powerful is because he loved what he did. And he had a master's in computer science. And I would ask him a question, and the next day, he would show up with this textbook. This thing was highlighted, dog-eared, looked like it had been through war. And he would flip to a page and show me exactly what it was that I wanted to learn years, we're talking maybe 10 years after he'd graduated, he could tell you exactly where to find the answer in those textbooks. What made him amazing was his passion, his wantingness to learn, and his ability just to own his own journey.
0: How much do you feel like mentorship, the right mentors, and community, the good and the bad, played a role in your story?
2: It's everything that I am. I am who I am because of the people who took the time to raise baby L. Like, you know, I was a little Linux admin. I was so lost. I would memorized commands, but truly understanding what they did and the impact they could have on an environment came from making mistakes. And the people who stood up and said, "No, don't worry, the mistake is because we didn't train you, not how did you commit that mistake? And it's what let me do what Ali always tells me, just always fail forward.
0: Always fail forward, as in learn from your mistakes.
2: It's funny because I think that when Allie and I talk to other people, I will talk about her mentoring me. And then I accidentally kind of overheard her talking to someone else about me being her mentor. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) which one of us is, you know, actually driving this boat? All right, well, I
0: I want to play one more clip from uh, how you became a sysadmin, and then we'll get into uh, you both shared great stories about breaking production.
2: So, the lessons that we'd like you guys to learn from all of these are kind of simple and a bit repetitive to what we've told you. Nothing beats hands on experience. Get your hands dirty, get behind the command line, get whatever it is that you need to continue your journey, because what's going to define you in this field is not your ability to gatekeep. It's not your ability to have certifications on your resume or have a degree. It's your knowledge, but it's how you're able to impart the knowledge to the rest of the people in this room.
0: You both are uh, examples of, if you are intelligent and motivated and willing to learn uh, you can really you can overcome um, a background that would not seem to be conducive to this field, and uh, you you both are great examples. Uh, and I, Ali, I appreciate the story you shared about breaking production. I'm gonna I'll play this clip. It's, it's, this is I I've, I so felt like your pain on this one
5: a few weeks ago. Al and I are practicing this talk This talk that we're giving right now. I went home from Starbucks, uh, went to do a maintenance on our infrastructure. And what did I do? I blew out a database node. I deleted it. It was gone. Uh, womp, womp. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty cringy. Um, Notice my boss, he just made fun of me for it. It was fine, we had backups obviously, but it was not a fun feeling.
0: Ali, do you feel like if your boss had freaked out and and just like blew up at you, would that have I mean, that would have been a a massive different story for you. Like in in a sense, it seems like the team was really supportive and willing to mentor you and and well, okay, all right, we'll recover this from backup and and here's where you went wrong. Not how dare you, you're so dumb, you're you idiot, that kind of thing.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And I think in a way, it was a good like test for you know i was i was brand new on that job so it's kind of a good i mean not that i did it on purpose but it was a good like how do they react in situations like this kind of thing and i mean even even right away my boss was like you know what that's my fault i should have had termination protection on like that's my bad here's how we can fix it like no problem
0: that's that's that it, it, for anybody out there that's leading a team i think that is some really good insight to take away there um but if anybody knows uh L. Elle doesn't like to be outdone.
2: Because I can't let her outdo me. This was yeah. her first <laughs> week at the job. Um, I'm going to tell you how I broke production my first hour at Rackspace. I get down. I sit down with my laptop and they say, Elle, we have these maintenances. And we just need you to copy pasta into it tell the customer when it's done. And I'm thinking like, guys, I, I don't even know like how to answer the phone, how to log in. What do you want? I'm like, No, no, Elle. These maintenances are written, and I quote, so that a monkey could write them. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? All right, well, not to be outdone by a monkey, I sat down and I'm looking at this maintenance and it's for something called a MySQL cluster. Like, I I knew MySQL, I don't know what a cluster is, but it's like four commands and they've allocated two hours for this maintenance. Like... Who wrote this? All right, okay, so maybe it just takes a while, and there are four computers that I have to do it in. And someone had taught me how to broadcast. Oh yeah, I was gonna look impressive. Work smarter, not harder. Right. So I open up all of these node thingies on my computer, and I copy and paste and broadcast them across till we hit the restart button. Environments go down. Well, maybe a minute later, my phone starts ringing. I had taken down a major bank's entire MySQL cluster. Customers could not get their money. You know how we found out? Twitter. People started. They were pissed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, Al. How did that go down with the boss?
2: It was the very interesting experience because I think I got shell shocked. I didn't know what to do. Like, there's nothing you can do. You have to wait for the system to come back up. And this is where I knew that I was on the right team because they immediately turned off my phone and a senior tech started fielding calls and they said, "You know what? We're the ones that told you to do this. We're the ones that wrote the maintenance. We're the ones that are owning this." And they just kind of had me in the background and led me through the process of doing, you know, what is it, an RNA. I can't even think right now, um, to try to figure out what had gone wrong, what we can do to prevent it. They handled customer calls. And a part that I left out there is that customer, when I had to do another one of their maintenances, called back and asked somebody else to be put onto their account. They didn't trust me anymore. yeah. And my senior tech was like, no, I'll sit with her. But we don't do that here. You know, we make mistakes. We're humans. We're not computers. And they pushed back on the customer.
0: Wow. Even in front of the customer. That's amazing. That is a good team. It's notes again there. Notes again for team leaders.
2: You know, Ali and I worked on the same team. And I think that's where we really learned a lot of our ability to stand up against people who are naysayers because other people did it for us. Why wouldn't we do it for someone else?
0: Well, I think you guys have a really good talk there, um, and I would really encourage the audience to catch it. If I assume you must be planning to give it at future events as well, yes?
2: This Saturday at B-Side San Antonio.
0: <laughs> you just don't stop. The both of you need some rest.
2: <laughs> We're already plotting our next talk, so...
0: Alex I kind of just wanted to get I don't have any clips from your talk but you gave your home automation talk again a second time it seems like maybe this is starting to become a thing for you what do you think and what what are your thoughts on now
3: the second time giving a talk at a Linux conference it was a lot of fun yeah uh, it's weird you, you seem to like go into this kind of mode when you're presenting um, where people are just hanging on your every word and it's, it's kind of weird where I'm used to people not listening to me or whatever but <laughs> <laughs> um But yeah, no, I've had a few people reach out to me on Twitter and some some guy on a random Discord server that I have uh, been frequenting called uh, Data Hoarders for a long time was like, hey, I didn't realize that you were the same ironic badger, blah, 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 uh, as is on LUP and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. Um, So yeah, it's just that community angle that's that's really strong. And um, when we were in Seattle, I met a guy who teaches at Duke University, which is like 20 minutes down the road from where I live here uh, in North Carolina. And, um, we're going to meet up in a few weeks and go for a coffee and stuff. So it's like, it's just this whole community aspect and yeah, I'm mildly internet famous already. And it's like, <laughs> it's blowing my brain a bit.
0: <laughs> um, all right. So I have a confession to make Wes. How do I describe the, uh, the Sennheiser MD 40? Uh, it's a great interview microphone. Like, what 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 are some what are some ways we could describe it to the audience?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's
0: um, it's it's what omnidirectional. It's a
4: cardioid, yeah. Oh, is it a cardioid? Okay, but it's good. At, it sort of picks up things in the atmosphere. You get you get a little bit of the mouth, but you still get the ambient sounds around. It's good at vocals.
0: Not too much noise hand for handling. Good at vocals. And it's really solidly built. Oh, super sturdy. When you're handing it off, right, it doesn't like rattle, so you don't get any mic rattle or anything like that. We just love them. We just love them throw them in a bag, take them with you, grab them when you need them. Yeah, super handy. Mm-hmm. Uh, made in Germany. Uh, Sennheiser is a good brand in general. Uh, and, and you know, as, as far as, like, professional microphones go, they're not ridiculously expensive. They're, they're $200. Um, and you could buy one of these. It could even be your podcast microphone, to be honest with you, if you wanted just one. But it, it, they're, they're really meant for going out in the field and doing interviews, like at uh, Texas Linux Fest. So I took one with me. Uh, Elle was actually... Nice enough to uh, pack one for me so that way I wouldn't have to. Thank you, Elle. And uh, she brought up two, and I took one of them, only one of them, and I hooked it up to my Zoom recorder. And I just wanted to capture the moment so that way we'd have, you know, clips for the shows and whatnot. And uh, I thought, well, hey, you know, let's take it to the meetup because we had a great meetup uh, at Heart Eight and there was a special ambiance. And I wanted to capture that ambiance for all of us. That way we could come back here and talk about it. And I'll, I'll just play the clip, and uh, let's see if Elle can guess uh, what happens uh, in the clip. But you'll start with the ambiance of the barbecue restaurant. Nice folk music. All right, Al. Do you have any guesses what happened there?
2: Was that your drink? <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: You could. You know what's funny is you can actually hear. That what's amazing is how good the microphone works underwater. My laughing and, and me saying worst case scenario is while it's under underwater. Well, uh, it's actually a Jack and Coke. But you, if you listen carefully, you can hear the ice of the Jack and Coke. <laughs> Isn't that remarkable? As far as a piece of equipment goes, that's, that's pretty incredible. I, I, I do really... I mean, just one more time. The ice is the best part. <laughs> it almost sounds refreshing. I know. Like, we, if I was intending to ruin a microphone to get a great soundboard clip of ice,
3: that would be worth it. But the best thing was, you were trying to move it out of the way so that it didn't fall into a drink as you were doing it. <laughs> the irony. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The irony of that. Yeah. I won't name names, but let's just say somebody at the table bumped it into the drink. Somebody. Even after I had gone, as Alex just said, to far, far extreme lengths to make sure it was safe. And I felt, and Alex, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like everyone in the immediate vicinity of the microphone realized the importance of the microphone.
3: Microphone is important. Yes.
0: And yet, still mistakes happen. And uh, into the drink it went. And so I immediately pull it out of there and I, I drain it. I was surprised by how long the microphone continued to drain liquid. But when I opened it up, it didn't appear that the actual capsule part of the microphone had been damaged and I assumed it was okay. So I continued to conduct all of the interviews for Texas Linux Fest and all of the clips. Everything I played in Linux Unplugged were all recorded after, for the most part, after I dunked the microphone in my Jack and Coke. However... On the last day, I was interviewing listener Steve about his talk, <laughs> and the microphone started cutting out, in and out, during the interview, like t- like two days later, or whatever it was, a day and a half later, the microphone started cutting in and out, and I'm pretty sure it's fried, because <laughs> the interview's unusable. <laughs> how, was the, how was the drink, though? I mean, yeah, did you finish the drink? Oh, yeah, I finished the drink. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's what's important. <laughs> so did you end up getting a chance to test the microphone? O?
2: So I did test it and it is now just a directional mic, not a bi-directional mic or an omnidirectional mic. If you hold it with the pins, I guess I don't even know how to describe it, but towards the logos, towards you and you're speaking to it, it'll record. If you turn it around, you just kind of sound muffled and like staticky.
0: That's, that's what was happening.
2: You were probably handing the mic back and forth,
0: or the side that he was on, Yeah. Well, that explains it. So I did order my I did order another microphone for L to be clear because I knew I had probably wrecked it. I'm sorry about that, L. I didn't mean to wreck your microphone,
2: hey, hey,, you owned your mistake.
0: <laughs> it, it served its purpose, though. Um and now you technically have three microphones, I suppose, if that other one works some way.
2: And I have a new one, which I learned now that we're supposed to smell our mics. I'm still a little confused about that, Chris.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, I love the. It. It's like the new car smell. I love a new microphone smell. Did you sniff it? Did you Did you give it a good sniff?
2: I, I did not. I feel really awkward sniffing my mic. <laughs> no, go, you should. Like, go give it a good...
0: I mean, you know, it's like one of the rare things. Like, you buy things when they're new, and and just for such a short period of time, are they in that nice, new, pristine condition that we love? And And that's what the new microphone smells like. Like this one kind of smells like Wes this one right here <laughs> it smells oh, a little man. bit like Wes Bay.
4: It, it darn well should
0: <laughs> well uh, Elle and Allie thank you for not only uh, being willing to share that aspect of your stories but uh, for putting it down on the record and then letting me play it because um, each time I feel like you're willing to accept a level of vulnerability that uh, most of us listening and doing this show probably would have been very intimidated by. So thank you very much, because I think it reflects a lot of people out there. And I think more people need to hear it. And it was a great talk, too. And Alex, your talk will be up on GitHub. Al, are your slides public? Is your talk public? Because we got audio, but we missed like the first 10 minutes of it. And I kind of feel like if you don't, like the slides by themselves aren't really as powerful without the story that goes along with it. What are your plans there?
2: So Allie was kind enough to actually own making the slides for this talk. And I'm going to throw her under the bus because she is GIF happy. There are so (laughs) many GIFs. Every single GIF. I I think every single confession has a GIF to go with it. So we're actually going to have it recorded at B-Side San Antonio. And once they publish it, we can share the link with the group.
0: Oh, okay. Very good. Excellent. Yeah, we want to make sure we capture all the GIFs in perfect fidelity. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and not GIFs. So, on the way out, I flew out, and Mr. Cheese Bacon and his lady drove, and along the way, Mr. Cheese had himself an evening in Austin, and I believe beer was to be had, Cheese.
1: Oh, yeah. So, we stopped at the uh, Growler Bar. We met up with some friends. Uh, one of my buddies, project manager with Apple now. He, <laughs> amazingly enough, he started the month before the first iPhone launch. Um Super cool guy and knew that I was into craft beer and tacos. So, the uh, first place we stopped was Torchy's Tacos. Um, had, a, had a couple of tacos there. Super cool place. If you're ever in the area, go check it out. Um, and this is in Pflugerville, Texas, which is not very far from Austin itself. But anyway, they had a, uh, it's called the Growler Bar. Uh, really cool place. They use this software called Digital Pour, which allows them to measure the contents of the kegs. Um, and you can also pull the site, the pull the, uh, if you pull up txgrowlerbar.com, you can actually see all the beers that are currently on tap and when they tap a new beer. So if there's a particular beer that you like, that you want to get to, hey, I like that, uh, that you want to get, you know, try out, you can go up there and do that. Uh, another thing that's really unique about them is that not only do they fill growlers, uh, but they also can beers for you. So, uh, you have to buy 32 ounces at a time.
0: Like, wait, 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 like from the, what now? From the tap? Like they'll, they'll, they'll can them right there at the counter. The mysterious crowler.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The crowler. So it's basically just a a shell, a can, and they have a lid and they fill it off the tap and they sit in this little machine and they set the lid in it. It clamps down the lid on top of the can and they write what beer it was when it was canned. you know all the all the information about it. It's it's a really really cool place. Um, it's it's it is a beer bar, but it's very like it has a very cool family atmosphere as well. Uh, they bring out food trucks and that sort of stuff. Um, oh, I love that. It's it's a cool place. Dogs, you know, dog friendly. Oh yeah, well, that's that's Austin for you. So it's a great place if you're ever in the area, check out.
3: So next year, when and if Texas Linux Fest moves back to Austin. Here's to hoping. Uh, you'll take us there, right? It sounds great. Yeah, I think there's one actually further
1: in downtown Austin as well. So how'd your lady feel about the whole Texas Linux scene and all of that? Oh, she, she liked it, man. Uh, there was a talk that she didn't get a chance to go see. Um, next year, we're going to try and make that happen, you know, providing that that talk's there again next year. Um but she did great, man. She she helped out a ton, obviously, with the booth. She killed it at the booth. Um, she gave out, I think we ended up with, out of the 100 shirts we brought, we ended up with eight left. And stickers and bottle openers and all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, the 250 stickers, we might have had like 25 of each show left out of the 250 of those. And and so I mean, we got rid of a ton of stuff. And, you know, I encouraged people that were listeners of the show that might have friends that listen to the show, grab a couple of extra uh, pass them along. I think Elle got rid of every time she would refill her little bin. Uh, it was I don't know fifteen or twenty minutes later, it was empty. So I'm going to have to get her some more stickers ordered. But we had a we had a great time. We had a great time swinging down through Austin, meeting up with my buddy Brandon, checking out checking out the uh, Texas Growler Bar. And um, I wanted to be in B sides this weekend, but we kind of had to get back so we could get to the dogs and give my uh, brother-in-law some relief there on the dog watching.
0: So how do you feel, Wes? You sat one out. You know, you sat out the Texas Linux Fest. You stayed here. You watched uh, the home base for us. Uh, do you have any FOMO, or does it feel like it was... Do you feel like, uh, no, I made a good call?
4: Hmm, you know, at the time, it was very nice to be home for a little bit. But after after watching the barbecue, the, the shots cheese got from, from your meal out, and um, getting to listen to the keynote and some of the other talks, I do. I do have some FOMO. It seems like it was... An outstanding conference, especially for its size, and it seems like one I'm gonna have to go like I hope to go next year because I clearly missed out this year,
0: yeah, I, I think it was a good conference it was the uh i then I spent the week after uh at the Keller office at Linux Academy and I uh, got to do some work out of there got to do some some I got some good work done in the studio that I've been needing to get done for like forever, and uh, it was just really nice to kind of spend some time down there. I kind of didn't have a great hotel experience. I really like the Marriott down there uh, that we stay at in Fort Worth. However, (laughs) it's funny. They're running into a problem because the building is about three years old right now. And so the rooms are all sort of experiencing the same
3: individual issue because it's a building-wide problem. Can Can I take a stab at this? I want to have a guess as to what it is. Is it that stank as you walk in? You
0: know, it's no, it's not that stank. I don't know what that, you know, um the stank that you're talking about
3: um which hotel was staying... because there was <laughs> I've stayed in a lot of hotels that have had a stank. It was the one overlooking the pool where we watched the dash videos for hours. That one. That was
0: at uh that was at Cheese's hotel back at Texas Linux Fest. I'm not I'm talking about in Fort Worth, the hotel that Linux Academy puts us up at. Yeah, so the Marriott for Texas Linux Fest, I really liked it. I really thought the Weston was an outstanding product. Overall, really good. However, <laughs> Cheese, what? How would you describe that smell, man? Like <laughs> it was bad. It was thick.
1: Yeah, I don't. It was thick, man. I don't. I don't know exactly. I don't know even really how to describe it. There was one part when you walked in, it almost smelled as if like someone had busted or dropped like an entire bottle of um, what was that, Anchorman Panther piss or whatever. Like it was just like this. Just super musky cologne smell.
0: It was a musky base with uh, fruity notes and a sort of moldy undertone is how I would describe it. And it was strong. Now, here's the thing. That's not the hotel we're all about to stay at. At the end of June, Linux Academy has a big company event. We're all going down there and we're staying at this Marriott. Now, this is the one I just spent a week at after Texas Linux Fest. This is a different hotel than the one we were just speaking about, the one with the smell. This is a different hotel. I think it's pretty great. It's not a Westin. It's one step down. So, like, everything's not quite as nice. The fridge, the TV, the bathroom, not quite as nice as the Westin, but they're still perfectly functional. And great staff. However, they have a building flaw. A building flaw that has caused me some personal strife. And that is... When it rains in Texas, which apparently it does from time to time, the rooms leak and water comes in at the window and the floor from like the window to the bed is soaking wet, like, like slop, slop, slop wet, (laughs) like really bad wet. And, uh, found that one out the hard way because, you know, I'm traveling, I've got limited pairs of socks. I walk over to look out the old window to see me a sunrise and I just soaked my socks. So heads up on that one. I told them about it. They're working on it. Yeah. I mean, I assumed you complained because that's at a,
4: that's crazy.
0: Yeah. I did. I let them know. I don't complain. I just said, Hey, so you know, this section of my room is unusable. And, uh, they also, they also apparently they have different levels of smoke detector thresholds, just as an FYI, Wes and cheese. Um, there's a, There's like a steam threshold, or perhaps you might say vapor threshold, that will set off the smoke detector, where it doesn't audibly alarm, but they call you, and then they like to play a little mind game with you. Now, this is just hypothetically speaking. I may or may not have um, direct experience with this, but hypothetically speaking, if there is vapor that goes in the direction of the smoke detector, it will register said vapor, And then it flips a light on at the booth, and then they call you immediately. Um, Mr. Fisher, uh, the smoke detector has gone off. Is there a fire in your room, sir? When they know it's not a fire, right? And you say no. And they say, oh, okay, well, we'd like to send someone in to check things out. And then you say, well, hey, I'm about to get in the shower. I'm completely naked right now. Could I have 10 minutes? They say, yeah, absolutely. And then you get off the phone, and then what you get is immediately. They don't let you wait. Where, Where was the 10 minutes, man? Right, that's what I said. I'm like, hey, I'm naked. <laughs> I mean, hypothetically speaking. Um, and what they uh, what they want to do is they want to get in there if there's some smell, you know. They're trying to catch you smoking in the room, which I was not doing. But that's what they're trying to catch you doing. The issue is their bathrooms don't really have strong ventilation, so they can just perv- they can just create vapor. They can set off the smoke detector. I'm just saying it was a rough time. It was rough. So just giving you guys a little pro tip. Hypothetically speaking, of course. You can tell I need a lot of help. That's why back in episode four of the Friday stream, I made a call. I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I should do it or not, but I needed guidance. And that's when I found out about the doctor reverend. She's, um, she's a different kind of tech support. And so I, I thought maybe she could help me. She could help me solve some studio issues. Maybe she could help me figure out some life issues. And I gave her a call after she was featured in the verge. You may remember this from episode four of the Friday stream. Well, uh, she did end up calling us back, and Wes Payne was able to grab those voicemails on the old uh, system we set up there. Thank you, Wes. By the way, all powered by open source technology. Who would you want to get? What is like the like the quick like elevator uh, setup there?
4: What is that? I mean, okay, we are using Twilio because you need someone who bridges those that old style switch telephone network that we all use with our, I mean, modern day cell phones. Um, But we're just running the great product Free Switch, which is open source software, and it sort of bridges the SIP world with the old
0: style telephone network and lets us take voicemail. So the witch doctor Revan called me back and uh, she left me not one, but two voicemails, which I have only listened to the first couple of seconds of and then decided, you know what? Let's save it for the show, as I am often to do. So I have not yet actually heard these complete voicemails. I've saved them for the show. And uh, we're going to play them back and see what the good reverend has to say.
5: Hi, Chris. This is Reverend Joey Talley, Wicca Minister, returning your call. And I would be honored to read for you. Sounds like a really exciting progression in your life. Um, Today is the full moon, and I'm doing a ritual tonight. If you're in the area, you're welcome to attend. Um, But I'm pretty busy for today, so we'll probably talk tomorrow. Okay? Sunday? All right. Thanks, Chris. Hang in there. Help's on the way. Blessed be. Uh, uh,
0: all right. Okay. All right. I mean, that's understandable. Full moon is is busy season, I would imagine. But she's, she's concerned for you. She's looking out. Yeah, I really do appreciate that. And so I think she did actually call me back the next day, just like she said she would.
5: Hi, Chris. This is Reverend Joey Talley, Wicked Minister, returning your call. I don't want to pester you, dear, but I don't want to abandon you either. You have my number. If there's anything I can do for you, feel free to call. I'll be glad to take some time for free. Blessed be. Well,
0: how about that? For free, she says. Ooh. Did you hear that? She said for free. Here's a, That's really nice. You know what I'm thinking we should do? Is I think I should call her back and off air and tell her, hey, we want to do it as a group thing on a show that'll be recorded. Are you okay with that? Just tell her like the whole story. And if she's okay with it, then on a Friday stream, we call her up and uh, she does a thing for the whole group. Invite, invite her on. She can help all of us at the same time. Yeah, we'll get a group reading here on the uh, Friday stream.
1: That sounds great.
0: I mean, assuming she's okay with it. I mean, if she's, she's comfortable, if she's not comfortable with it, then we'll let it go. But I don't want to
1: like deceive her. I think she seems
0: like a really nice lady.
1: <laughs> you think we can negotiate like a flat rate fee? Or is it like a per reading? You're right. I hadn't thought about that. I wonder,
0: I wonder, I was thinking, yeah, I hadn't really thought about price. Hmm. I'm like feeling like a hundred bucks is about as much as I want to spend on this. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Yeah, I agree. Unless some unless some crystals get thrown in or something. Hmm. Complimentary crystals. All right. So uh, I'll try to give her a call next week and then see if she's okay with the whole thing. And then if she is, we'll set her up to just, and I'll just call her during the live show. And we'll do a group reading for the hosts that are on the show that week. And we'll see how that goes. Because she's, look at that. Not only did she call me back, but then she followed up just when she said she would. And I can understand that she's busy during the full moon. Who isn't? Who isn't? So, I got to respect that. Blessed be, Chris. Thank you. So, anyways, um, I thought we'd wrap up with an actual genuine tech story today. Genuine tech story. How far are we willing to go to get stuff fast? (laughs) I'm I'm willing to go pretty far as my uh, DoorDash um, subscription... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've actually subscribed to DoorDash. I, I'm the worst person in, in, the, in the world. Um, Amazon is like super close to launching their drones. In fact, they've even launched a shiny new drone page. And we'll link to their drone video in the show notes. There's not much to it. But they say they've been hard at work at building a fully electric drone that can fly 15 miles. And it will deliver packages under five pounds. To customers in less than 30 minutes. So packages under five pounds is actually a large percentage of what Amazon ships and sells, according to them. Because it's things like toothbrushes, toothpaste, um, you know, all of your uh, pantry items that you might need. And uh, they think they have a pretty neat design. To me, it looks like a rickety chicken shit design that flies wobbly through the sky. But to them, they say it's a hybrid design that can do both vertical takeoffs and landings, like a helicopter. And it's efficient and aerodynamic, like an airplane. I don't know if any of you guys got a chance to see the video they've posted. This thing's flying over a field, and it's wobbling through the sky like it's about to fall. It's very unsettling when you see it. You want it You want it to be a little spooky so no one tries to steal from it, right? And then it just effortlessly drops off the package at its destination. So here's where I say there's a cost to this, is besides Amazon becoming more of a monopoly, the real cost is... Put on your tinfoil hats, everybody. This thing's going to have cameras all over it. What do you think that's going to do? Nothing. They they already know what we're doing anyway. So nothing. No, 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 no. It's not about what Amazon knows. It's not about that. It's about what is acquirable by a motivated government, be it the U.S. government or another. All of that information is now surveillance data. Yeah, we've we've
4: just seen a bunch of news about you know how they're working working with governments and using their ring data, right? So. From doorbells to the sky.
0: Doorbells, Alexa recordings,
3: and now flyovers of people's houses. Self-host all the things. That's the only solution.
0: Hey, you think that guy's got a pot grow going on in his backyard? Uh, Let's go just subpoena those flight records from uh, Amazon.
4: Yeah, of course he's a Prime subscriber, right? So he wants those same-day drone deliveries.
0: (laughs) Hey, man, he needs those botanical botanical supplies or whatever.
3: (laughs) And way too stoned to talk to anybody. Amazon's perfect. And that big bag of fertilizer also. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I mean, I'm,
0: I, I'm, I'm not joking. I mean, I, I mean, I may, I'm having fun with it here, but legitimately, this is going to be hundreds of maybe one day thousands of cameras in the sky that all have to comply with U.S. law. Elle, am I a crackpot with tinfoil hat here, or do you think there's something to it?
2: I think there's something to it. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm staying quiet on this one.
0: What about also the cybersecurity angle? These things could be hacked, right?
2: Of course, they can. I mean, the, I don't care how good the security is on it. All it's going to do is breed a stronger hacker. So if it's there, it's available to anyone that's motivated.
0: That's why it creeps me out is because, I mean, I'm obviously going with the Edward Snowden angle on this, but it could also just be a, a, a motivated attacker that could get access to these cameras or the data, or it could be people inside Amazon that are reviewing it for um, whatever reason, just like they review the Alexa recordings. We're all going to be yelling cancel into the sky soon because these things eventually will be equipped with echoes. <laughs> They'll be flying through the skies <laughs> with, with the Amazon Echo so that way you can just shout out into the air. <laughs> yeah, right. Make someone comes to help. I mean, as long as you've paid your Amazon bill. I do recommend you check out the link in the show notes just because the video is in there and also it's, it's a neat looking drone. I don't really see where the packages are going to attach to it and um, it does seem like it flies a little wobbly, but 15 miles is respectable, right?
1: That's pretty good. One of the things I was curious about is how do they attach the packages? Is it the are they the bottom feet that it also lands on? I'm I'm
0: guessing so. Yeah, they. You know what? And
1: so they have a they have a big shiny website,
0: and they have their big produced video, and <laughs> none of it do they actually show <laughs> carrying packages.
1: It's <laughs> weird. I, I was I was showing it to Amanda, and she was like, "Um, so it's just footage of the drone." Like, where's the package? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, man. But it is creepy to think that um, they are going to mine all of that flight data as well and use it uh, not only for, I mean, just for any sort of topographical or, um, you know, I could see them using it for traffic congestion issues. You know, I could see them using it for all different types of, to source all different types of data. And I'm sure Amazon's happy to sell that.
0: By, you say it's like a shuttle bay kind of thing, like it's the Enterprise where like there's a big hatch that opens up.
3: Yeah, if you look at the website uh, on the front, you see a, a larger hat, and I think that opens up. And then
0: uh, when it's docked, it gets just feeded a package because it's just like five pounds or what was it? Yeah, I could see that. I'm looking at the high res picture right now. I can totally see what you're saying. Yeah, that that does that makes sense. So they open that up, and the thing just slides right in there, and then it's it closes up. That's totally what it is,
1: but it's also got to be super big. If they have a fifteen-mile range, it's got to be—it's got to have a, like a decent-sized battery. And if they have all these additional cameras and this gear on board, I was thinking that center housing was for the actual equipment the brain of the drone itself
3: well the wings uh, create a much lift so there's not much energy needed for that
4: i'm curious where they um you know where, where does this land is it your backyard where your dogs are upset and attack it or is it like sort of taking the sidewalk space in front of your apartment or building like how does this integrate with the rest of society
1: It said in the article that it can actually, one of the things that they're working on now, and the reason that it has that shroud that covers all the blades is because safety is their number one concern. Um, They don't want your little dog getting chopped up by the Amazon drone. Um, So they've actually worked uh, with some AI to to get landing in and around electrical lines and... um, how if a structure that wasn't there before, let's say a house is being built and a new chimney is in the sky, um, that it will default to uh, staying as far as possible away from those objects. They don't talk about this in
0: here. They they really, like you were saying, Cheesy, they talk about the, how the AI will recognize clotheslines and telephone wires um, and it will recognize an unknown object and it will halt and be safe. The one thing they don't say in this, and I've read also the TechCrunch article and a couple other places that have covered this, and it just seems like it's obvious, but they don't say this, is at no point is it kicking over to a human pilot to make a decision. That's the part that surprises me. It seems like, you know, you can have your AI do its thing and try to make some decisions. But if you show up at a new area that all of a sudden has construction or, um, you know, a tree has fallen in the spot that you had planned to land, it just seems like the way you would do it is you would have a set of standby humans that would get pinged with urgent requests and they would take over and manually land the thing and deliver the package. That may be happening, but they don't spin it that way. They make it sound like it's all AI driven. In fact, all of this announcement, the whole thing about this new drone and how cool it is, was all done at an AI conference that the uh, REMARS, which is the machine learning, automation, robotics and space conference in Las Vegas right now. They're trying to make a big AI push with this. They're trying to show their their AI credentials and um, impress people, I suppose. I mean, they certainly have them. They've invested a ton into that field. Do they, though? I mean, really, compared
4: to what Google has? I mean, they've got their SageMaker um, appliances. They've, they've certainly hired a lot of people who know what they're doing. Now, how much we see... I think Google's doing a better job of showing us demos, although we're still not really using all their smarts that they've been advertising for, you know, like making phone calls for us. Um, Amazon plays their cards a little a little closer to the chest, you know?
0: that 's true, and you 'll see them often using their tech to benefit them <laughs> in very good ways that we don 't necessarily see outwardly, and so they could have um, some yeah 're right they could have some really good stuff that they 're using that we just they just don 't talk a lot about, and maybe they 're going to now. Uh, it seems like all of the big vendors are you 've got Amazon here uh, doing this right now. Apple has been talking more and more about their machine learning that 's what that was a decent part of um WWDC's So there's the WWDC keynote that everybody watches that has all the product announcements and whatnot. But then after lunch, every WWDC has what's called the State of the Union address. Apple used to only allow developers who paid $100 a year to see that video. But about three or four years ago, I think, um, maybe more, maybe less... They changed their policy, and now you can search for WWDC 2019 State of the Union, and it's all of the technical stuff that you would expect from a developer keynote, but it's in a separate video. And it's they go deep into a lot of their APIs and whatnot, and a big area that Apple is pushing into this year, surprise, surprise, is AI and machine learning. None of us are surprised. Not even a little bit, no. I don't know, though. I think... I started this by asking you, you know, what what are you willing to pay in your privacy for fast deliveries? <laughs> I am I am ashamed to say I think I'm I'm okay with drones in the sky tracking and taking pictures to have really fast delivery. Thirty minutes It sounds so horrible to say, but I also use, you know, home assistance, Doordash, those kinds of things. I mean, I'm already doing all of that.
4: Right? I mean, how many of us are already sharing our location with
0: Google just? All the time. Right. This is just another evolution of that. And it'll be one of many vendors. I can imagine eventually Walmart will have drones in the
1: sky. Oh, absolutely. Everyone will. And it's just like Elle was talking about earlier um, with the uh, Uber security officer. You know, I th- Of course they're working on AI and self-driving autonomous cars of the future. I mean, it's going to get George Jetson very soon, I think, in the next, like, 10 to 15 years.
0: If, I can, if my car can turn into a briefcase that I can carry around, almost worth it. <laughs> so, Elle, can we tell that story at all? Any form of that story that she's just alluded to on the pre-show, Elle had lunch with an interesting individual. At, or breakfast, really. Breakfast, I guess.
2: Maybe we can uh, leave this as a cliffhanger so I can get approval.
0: <laughs> yeah. An interesting individual who works at Uber and Elle said, "You know what we need to do? We need to go have breakfast tacos." <laughs> I don't know how that came up, really.
2: Who says no to breakfast tacos?
4: Come on, nobody. Yeah, all verified. Elle knows her breakfast.
0: You know what? She does. She knows how to order eggs too, as they come. All right. Well, uh, our uh, our music this week. The intro was artist Neon Storm. The song was Prawns, Date, Wet Saws. Really, dude?
1: Really? And actually, uh, interesting note. Uh, that's actually one of the, one of um, Alexander's friends, Alex's friends from Linux Academy. One of the UI guys. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, prawns. It's interesting. Who doesn't like prawns?
0: We all love prawns. If only we could get them faster and easier. More on that in the future. And this music here broke for free. A favorite of mine from, uh, from the great folks broke for free and the song is something elated we'll be back next friday at 1 p.m pacific over jblive.tv you can get that converted at jupiterbroadcasting.com calendar and of course we've got the brand new shiny website fridaystream.com 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 go check that out past episodes feeds all of that if you didn't catch our introduction to the dr reverend that's in friday four fridaystream.com slash four go get that we'll be back next friday Thanks for joining us. Bye, everybody. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to play for one of you to win a game. It'll be L versus Allie. Whoever gets the highest score on a millionaire will then spin the wheel and pick a game for you. Allie, you're playing for not a guy at work. And Al you're playing for is that me? All right, Elle. Your first question And who wants to be a millionaire. And just take your time. There is no limit. The goal is just to make as much money as possible. You can take as much time, but the only thing you cannot do is you cannot Google for the answer. All right. Which of these animals can fly? A rabbit, a cat, a dog, or a bird?
2: I want to get creative, but let's just keep it simple. A bird.
0: (laughs) A bird. Final answer? Yes. You are right. All right. You have earned $100. All right. Technically, uh, by default, you are in the lead. All right. Next (laughs) question, L. What is a football commonly known to be made of? A. Goat skin. B. Cow skin. C. Elephant skin. Or D. Pig skin.
2: Yay for theology. Pig skin. Final answer.
0: All right. Final answer. All right. We are at $200. Good job. When we get to $1,000, you will lock that in. If you make it to $1,000... You can't go back from there. You will at least win that. But for $300, in the prologue, Romeo and Juliet, the pair of lovers in the title is described as what? Star-crossed, accident-prone, suited to a T, or happy as a lark?
2: Oh, I hope this isn't a trick question, but I'm going to go with uh, Star-Crossed Lovers.
0: Star-Crossed it is. Here we go. You are right! All right, you're doing really good. Okay, we are now at five hundred dollars. What band did Deborah Harry rise to fame as the lead singer for? What band did Deborah Harry rise to fame as the lead singer for? The Winston Phillips, Blondie, Fleetwood Mac, or the Bangles?
2: Blondie. Final answer. Damn girl! All right, here we go. Oh God. <laughs> Holy shit! You got it! <laughs>
0: I would not have gotten that. All right, El. All right, I, you have now locked in $1,000. At this point, regardless if you get it right or wrong, you will win $1,000. Will I really? Well, in <laughs> <laughs> <the> internet money. <laughs> what movie monster was seen swinging from the Empire State Building? A, Godzilla. B, Mothra. C, Mechagodzilla. Or D, King Kong.
2: Oh, goodness. Um... Uh, it's going to be, oh, the monkey. Who is the monkey? King Kong. Final answer. (laughs) All
0: right. Final answer. All right. Here we go. You got it right. All right. We are now for $2,000. How many pockets does a pool table have? Six, eight, four, or nine?
2: Six. Final answer. You got it All right
0: All right now L for $4,000 What state is Davy Crockett National Forest Found in? Montana Texas New Mexico Or Arkansas Uh, Davy Crockett National Forest
2: I'm going to take a wild guess here with Texas Final answer
0: We're going for Texas Final answer
2: you got it! Yes, <laughs> you got it! Yeah, <laughs> that, I felt that had to be a trick one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable! Okay, you killed it at eight thousand dollars. What part of a tree is said to have a skeleton? What part of a tree is said to have a skeleton? Leaves, branches, trunk, or the roots?
2: Uh, roots. Final answer.
0: All right, we're going for the roots. Oh no! I'm sorry, y'all. Oh, that was not the correct answer. Oh. No. <sighs> it was leaves. It was leaves. So you are leaving the game with one thousand dollars. One thousand dollars. Good job, though. That was, whew, That was great. All right, Allie, are you ready to, to give it a go? Your goal now is to beat thousand dollars. All right. Okay, okay, Ally. Here we go. Starting up. Oh, it can't ask us the same questions. That's not good. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, I mean, no. It can, but. Yeah. Okay, all right. Let's see. Allie, which of these animals fly? A rabbit, a cat, a dog, or a bird?
5: <laughs> oh, we're really doing the same questions. Um, okay, a bird. <laughs> I'm going to take a wild guess.
0: <laughs> what do you know? You're right. All right, let's do it. Okay, how many legs does a fish have? Zero, two, four, or eight for $200? Zero Alright, final answer I'm going to say yes, final answer Alright, yes, you are correct, it is no zero legs
5: Oh, yeah, sorry
0: (laughs) Alright, good, alright, here we go So now, for $300 A $3.75 billion settlement Has been reached to pay people injured By a diet pill Known as (laughs) Lipocal Dexmex Fenpen Sensen uh, A $3.75 billion
5: settlement I think it's number, I think it's C C, Fenpen. final answer? Final answer, yeah You are right Woo-hoo. All
0: right, so now you are playing for $500 What soft drink commercial set Michael Jackson's hair on fire in 1984? A Coca-Cola commercial, Dr. Pepper, RC, or Pepsi-Cola? Michael Jackson's Hair on Fire in 1984, Coca-Cola, Dr. Pepper, RC,
5: or Pepsi-Cola? Oh my gosh, I actually don't know. Uh, I'm going to guess Pepsi, final answer.
0: All right, Pepsi-Cola, final answer. Here we go. You are correct! (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) This is exciting. All right, now we are playing for the $1,000. Allie, if you get this one correct, you will lock in $1,000 and that... That will be a tie at that point (laughs) And I don't know what we'll do Alright, what is the capital of Illinois? What is the capital of Illinois? Springfield, Chicago, Shelbyville, or Mount Vernon? Now, I will let you know Before you answer You can take a poll from the chat room You do have a lifeline So what is the capital of Illinois? Springfield, Chicago, Shelbyville, or Mount Vernon? (laughs) Um,
5: I'm gonna go with uh, Chicago
0: All right. Chicago.
5: Final answer? Total guess. Yeah. Oh, I am sorry, Ali.
0: I am sorry. The correct answer was Springfield, which means uh, you will be going home today with only $100. So, Elle, you are our winner. Womp womp. <laughs> Thank you for playing, though. All right. So now, Elle, you give me the word. And uh, when, I've, when you give me the word, I will, I will spin the wheel of uh, giveaways.
2: Is there a magic word?
0: You can make one.
2: Can I say hug a chicken?
0: <laughs> you I could call on the power of Joe. I could give hey, we could have we could we could bring Joe in to spin it. You want me to do that? Yeah. Sure. Okay. All right. All right. Hey, Joe, come here. Joe, spin this for me, would you? <laughs> All right, here we go. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, it looks like it's number eight.
1: Number eight is Deep Dungeons of Doom. And that that's going to uh is that me? That's so uh
0: That is, uh, is that me? You have just won Deep Dungeons of Doom. Congratulations. Enjoy yourself this weekend. Thank you for playing vicariously through Elle and Allie. Elle and Allie, thank you for being our contestants. And that, that's a Friday stream.